0: your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time, or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's so special about Hero Bread? Soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas. These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where yes, it, is, it actually is snowing today. Uh, today on the program, we will be discussing oh, I don't know, the variety article that came out this week. On WWE's Upfront in Brooklyn with advertisers, some interesting metrics that were raised by uh, WWE executives, including Stephanie McMahon. And then on Monday, the egg popped a rating. Vince McMahon's Cleopatra's egg popped a rating on Raw. We will discuss that. The showdown at UBS Arena on Long Island, New York, it's coming soon. Uh, Part one coming up this week on Monday. WB seems to have no weekly distributor of its regular programming in Japan in 2022. Fast Nationals, we will play the Fast Nationals game. GCW is selling out the Hammerstein Ballroom. And Christina Salen and WWE have come to a separation agreement. But first, joining me from my immediate south... Uh, the ring announcer, the stand-up comedian, Chris Gullo. Hello, hello. Um,
1: I'm actually surprised I still have a voice after uh, announcing last night and doing a crazy main event introduction. So,
0: did you did you destroy your voice introducing? Well, a little bit, <laughs> yes. Uh, what was the main event last night? We were we were both at this was, this wrestling show last night. Yeah, it was uh, Daniel Garcia and Kevin Blackwood, and mm. it was an v- awesome match. Yes, I, uh, (laughs) the, the people in the chat are, are saying boo the slow mode. They don't like slow mode. Um, but yes, I was, uh, I was not wrestling. I was, um, what would you say I was doing last night? Is there a agenting, agenting, I guess, producing, carrying out the, the the, carrying out the wishes of one Brett Stymus, the promoter of ESW. Uh, but it was fine. It was good. Um, yeah, that a a very long and intense main event that'll be on IWTV for uh, under under the ESW category. Um, the Bills won on Thanksgiving. Yes. Pretty big blowout no there game today in uh, in the Superdome, home of uh, many big draws by ju- the, the junkyard dog and people of that nature. So, oh, here's here's the image for people watching on video. We will have visuals as always. So let us begin. Yeah, we'll get right into
1: it, uh, Brandon. So, uh, this is from the variety article in the TV news section. Uh, WWE touts massive reach and broad distribution and upfront presentation at Survivor Series. So before the in-ring action kicked off at Survivor Series at the Barclay Center on Sunday night, WWE hosted an upfront presentation for advertisers that laid out the company's wide appeal with audiences. We have massive reach and broad distribution available in over 900 million homes. 180 countries, 28 languages, and in a non pandemic era, over 500 live events per year, said Stephanie McMahon, DW's chief brand officer. This gives us the opportunity to engage with your brand globally, nationally, or locally.
0: I love it. McMahon, when I, oh, yeah, that, that, that's fine. the down. blue line means stop talking. Okay. Uh, I love it when brands give give us the opportunity to engage. I mean, that's that's one of the, the greatest things in life. Um, so just one, one interesting thing here. We'll, we'll sort of go, go through uh, a few of these paragraphs here. This is Variety's article. Is a byline from Joe Otterson, who often does the, the WWE uh, articles here. Um, 500 live events per year. Uh, does this mean that WWE is going to, when, when the the Florida loop, this would have to include the Florida loop if they thought that they were going to do 500 events, um, again in the future, uh, a hundred or something like something probably well over a hundred, maybe 200 of those events are the NXT Florida loop, which has not happened since, um, you know, early 2020, um, and, and this would be with a full slate of house shows too. I've got, I've got to look, but I think the house shows are a little bit less frequent than they were at least in 2019. But Dodo d- decided to cut down on house shows in 2020 as well. Anyway, I don't see this number as reflecting any certainty in their plans. I think this is just, you know, let's put together a highlight reel of numbers that Stephanie McMahon can say, and they have some connection to reality. And I don't think this tells us that much uh, with certainty about what the future will hold for WWE. In fact, I think it's, it's a just to go back to the NXT Florida loop. Is is NXT going to return to running the Florida loop? Um, I don't know. I don't know why they're not already. Um, maybe there's concerns about COVID. Certainly with the new vision that they have about developmental, one would think that they want would want to get wrestlers with little experience on the road, gaining that experience. Um, But who knows? Who knows what what the new NXT will bring? Uh,
1: Nine of the top 15 most followed female athletes in the world across social platforms are WWE superstars. We are the number one most followed sports brand on TikTok. We are the number one sports channel on YouTube and the sixth most viewed channel on YouTube all around the world. That sounds right. And finally, we have a young, diverse fan base. She continued. Over 75% of our fans are in that sweet spot, 18 to 49. 40% of our audience is women, and we over index with both African American and Hispanic audiences. Mm
0: -hmm. So, so, so 75% 18 to 49 set off some alarm bells for people, maybe including me. Uh, Certainly, that doesn't reflect their linear TV audience live in the same day. That's about one third or 34 percent, 35 percent, somewhere between the low 30, you know, like 31 percent. Maybe they do 36 percent. Usually it's it's in that range for both Raw and SmackDown, uh, can tend to be on the lower end of that range for NXT. Um, AEW Dynamite and Rampage tend to be about 50 percent, 18 to 49. Um, so there's no I, I, I wish there were some reference to what the number is that she's referring to. Presumably she's referring to all of WWE's engagement across all of its digital platforms and maybe, maybe linear platforms. Maybe it's all being tied in there. Maybe there's some survey that WWE has done and is is referencing here, but we don't know. Um, I mean, if you think about, if you look at WWE's TV demographics, this idea that, uh you know the vast majority of w 's audience is really p fifty plus which flies in the face of any view of what their live audience looks like um if you if you go to a w live show or to the extent to which i'm i, I know they're choosing who to who to go to for um for for fan reactions on t v but it just doesn't look like there's many people in the audience who are that that far over age fifty t v is old. And it's fun to to react to ratings reports and make fun of how the W fan base or particularly the NXT TV audience is very old, but TV is old. People who consume linear TV just tend to be quite a bit older. Um we can talk about AEW in the same way. Do you really think half of the AEW fan base, whatever fan base means, but I think we have sort of a general idea of what fan base means. You really think half of the NXT, the AEW fan base, is over fifty years old? Um, that that doesn't really make sense, right? I mean, the median age of of NXT for the last few weeks has been very close to or above sixty years old. That means half of the audience is above sixty years old. That's who's watching it live, same day. But who are the actual fans? Maybe the people who are susceptible to consuming some other NXT product, not just across linear TV, but across other things like Peacock or digital and social media. They're probably not half over the age of 50. So 75% of our fans are in 18 to 49. Sounds reasonable to me, but I wish there was some reference for what she's actually that for the data that she's actually referring to, I asked WB that they, did, they didn't respond to me. Um, <laughs> 40% of our audience is women. That's true. That that's true in linear TV. Um, and yeah. you, we we definitely see that when, when, when I get the numbers for 1849 men and women, 40% women, 60% men, uh, AEW is about 70% men, 30% women. Um, so that's, that's true in, in the old skewing, live same-day linear TV audience, I tend to think it's similar for other forms of media engagement uh, and maybe, you know, live event attendance. Um, And we over-index with both African-American and Hispanic audiences uh, with some data that I saw that was looking at, I think, most of Q3 of this year. That definitely looks to be the case that um, AEW's audience is... Right about on par with what the the general linear TV audiences, but WWE over indexes with African American and Hispanic audiences. So that's that's definitely checks out.
1: Formal remarks closed with WWE president Nick Khan in a Q and A. With host Joe Tessitore, Uh, Khan spoke about WWE's recent decision to move some pay per view to Saturday nights, including the success they had with that strategy for SummerSlam in Las Vegas earlier this year, making the first time the event was held on a Saturday. And another first, WWE recently released their entire 2022 pay-per-view schedule. Khan said SummerSlam was also held in a stadium for the first time since 1992, something Khan said the company would be doing more going forward. For the first time in 2022, we're going to do five nights at stadiums," he added. Uh, he said, "Typically, Royal Rumble and WrestleMania have been stadium events. We saw a gap in the marketplace where we can do more." Khan also discussed rights fees for major sports programming, such as the NFL, NHL, and Premier League soccer. The NFL is, of course, the leader with the rights now worth 10 billion in the most recent 11-year deal. With the NHL, Khan pointed out that a decade ago, the hockey league commanded approximately 200 million per year. Whereas now it's worth six hundred and twenty-five million a year. Khan then uh posited that the English Premier League NBC deal is worth four hundred and sixty million and not the reported four hundred and fifty million. You're seeing these numbers continue to grow, he said. You're seeing them go up for properties ratings are up for properties whose ratings are stable, and even for properties whose ratings
0: are down. Yes. Uh great success means great profit, mediocre success means profit still. Yeah. Um <clears throat> Nikon just reporting that uh, it's not just four hundred fifty million dollars, but four hundred and sixty million dollars between the EPL and NBCU. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the deal with the the Premier League and and uh, NBC Universal, uh, as we discussed last week, it, it is a. I think a near, nearly a triple, uh, tripling 2.7, 2.8 X increase in the U S TV rights fees for EPL. And, um, I think WE rightly views that as encouraging for the potential value that, that they'll be able to get in their upcoming negotiations. Um, even though ratings are going down, um, I had a, a discussion with with MJ from NJ, who's who's in the chat um, last night about well, if if viewership continues to go down, I I don't know is there a point where where WWE uh, starts to see their their TV rights value diminish? I'm not sure because WWE's rank among other programs. Its its performance among programming generally hasn't trended down. Um, I think that's something that we discussed last week. Um, you know, if we if we just look at the the viewership spreadsheet, I think I have a tab here where I'm where where we look at things by year. And even though W's you know, even eighteen to forty nine audience has fallen roughly in half from where it was just a few years ago, let's say. You know if we look at the the rating, which is not exactly people but it's a percentage of the national eighteen to forty nine audience for raw in two thousand and fifteen the average p eighteen and forty nine rating for raw uh was one point two five and we're almost through the entire year of twenty twenty one and it's you know well less than a half of that what what is um it's averaging 0. 0.51. So 0. 0.51 as a percentage of 0. 0.1, 1.25. is It's at about 41%. So you could say about 60% of what WWE had in a PG&49 rating in 2015 has, has fallen off. It, more than half of that audience is no longer watching live same day through linear TV. Nonetheless, that rank, if we look at... I think I have it in here, that cable rank on Monday, uh, they were ranking number three in 2015. That was their, is this a median? This is their median rank. Their median rank in 2016 was number four. Their median rank in 2017 was number three. So again, what, what I'm trying to show here is while this number, the audience, the volume of their audience has gone down by, it went down by, 9% went down, 8% went down, 7% in 2019. It really went down even stronger than the rate of television decline overall went down 17%. But their rank among cable originals on their day on Monday has not moved. In fact, their median rank so far in 2021, of course it's it's not been so great during NFL season, but their median rank is number 1 because they have that uh maybe it'll get under one just because we'll have another month to go here. will be where they'll be going against Monday night football and all the programming around Monday night football that ranks very highly and often above raw. Uh, But their rank has not moved. Uh, If anything, well, you know, some years it's improved Uh, just reflective of all the other programming on television, or in this case on Monday nights, among cable originals that has diminished at least as much as raw has and raw is still able to rank highly. Why does that matter for their TV rights fees? Because it seems to me that networks are continuing to value more so uh, today than yesterday, more so uh, this year than five or 10 years ago, they needed their most popular programs to justify the subscriptions that uh, cable customers still pay for uh, to justify the ad revenues, the ad sales that they're able to make to advertisers in an environment where uh, MVPD subs, that is cable and satellite sub subscriptions are declining in an environment where large audiences are harder and harder to find, even though the volume of those large audiences uh, is diminishing, you know, they're falling in half in the case of digital of raw and in over the course of just a few years. Um, But they're uh, the most popular programs uh, seem to be growing in value to networks, despite the decline of those audiences. And, and in fact, they're becoming even more valuable because there are fewer and fewer, uh, fewer and fewer programs that are able to capture a live audience in the way that, Raw is and the way that SmackDown is and the way that, uh, the NFL and the NBA are and, uh, somewhat, uh, comparably AEW programming is. So there's that. All right. And, uh, we'll be moving on here to
1: the uh, fight for long Island. Like to call it here. And we have, uh, some up- updates here uh, as far as from Russell Tick's, uh, we'll start with, uh, Monday, uh, Night Raw, which n- this is a uh, Russell ticks, uh, report. And this is as of, uh, the 27th here. So available tickets, 2,094, uh, with a set of capacity of 7,169. So about 71% of the tickets distributed. So 5,000 tickets, 5,075 tickets, uh, distributed. And Edge was just announced for this, uh, show as well. Um, and then, uh, And they're still doing that deal, uh, the two-for-one tickets, uh, which actually ended yesterday. But it was a two-for-one tickets there for money at Where You get two tickets for the price of one.
0: Yes. So usually, I don't know, Raw and Dynamite ticket price seems to be similar. Um, I don't know that we'll ever get any facts about it. But if if Raw is uh, bringing in 5,000 people, it'll surely be a little bit higher uh, by Monday, but, uh, and then dynamite seems to be bringing in well over 8,500, uh, people. Most of that will be paid in both cases, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I was, I was going to say that, you know, with the average ticket price probably being lower for, uh, for raw than for, uh, dynamite just, uh, from W trying to do everything it can to get, get these tickets distributed. Um, that the gate for dynamite would be higher, but that seems to be the case regardless, just by virtue of, um, the attendance probably going to be that much higher for dynamite. Um, I wonder how much WWE cares about this, this comparison. They probably do. Um, that's why we're seeing these moves of, uh, you know, putting tickets on sale, you know, discounted tickets two for one. Um, Edge has been added. I don't know that that's purely motivated by this comparison in the same venue at UBS Arena. Uh there's probably larger plans involved with having Edge back looking forward to uh, to an, another Edge monologue hopefully uh, on Monday night. Um but uh yeah, it's uh it's uh, something that that w probably cares about and it's not just for people like us to say you know, and, and talk to wrestling fans who can compare AEW and W's performance. But, uh, but there's probably business partners who will, will notice this as well. Um, which is, which is really who they care about. So it's one, one data point and maybe there's a few others that are showing something similar in that W obviously has a much larger TV audience They obviously have a much larger audience in a number of other ways, including on social media, uh, including on YouTube and, and things like that. These are all, you know, engaging on social media, watching on linear TV. These are things that are not at a high specific cost to the consumer. Things that are at a high specific cost to the consumer, including ticket sales. Mainly ticket sales is what we have visibility to that's where we're seeing in some cases more favorable comparisons uh for AEW versus WWE um we don't have visibility really into merchandise but the and and the volume of of events for WWE and and for merchandise for WWE is so much higher than than uh, AEW but um but yeah we're we're i think we're starting to see I, you know, we don't have a pay-per-view like to like comparison because obviously WWE doesn't do pay-per-view in the traditional way uh as uh, AEW does. But um, yeah, you know, we're seeing in some ways where friction, not just uh, inconvenience, but where money has to be parted with. I think we're starting to see this sort of hardcore fandom that uh, is purported to not matter start to emerge to matter a little bit more over time.
1: I want to ponder this, this question to you here while we're still on this topic. Please do. WWE has been very cost effective, especially in the Nikon era. If something doesn't make sense, it's kind of, you know, budget cuts. We see how they've scaled the roster back and all that. Now, obviously they have to have a live audience for on SmackDown. I'm not getting to that point, but like if popularity continues to drop with live attendance, you know, in this quarter and then maybe the first quarter of 2022, do they really actually scale back house shows and say, hey, this isn't cost effective to run this if we're not drawing what we expect or do they still do it to say, Hey, look, we have so many live events and this and
0: that and <laughs> yeah, global I mean, brand. Yeah. Just discounting the live events is something that I need to, to follow more closely. Are they running the same number of live events that they were running in the summer? Uh, are they running the same number of house shows specifically. Obviously they're still going to run Raw and Smackdown every week, but are they running the same number of house shows now as they were in the summer? I know in the summer they even canceled one house show. I think it was the Gainesville, Florida house show. Um, in In 2020, before the pandemic, they did significantly cut down on house shows. Um, I see no reason to not expect that house show business won't, or maybe we could look into it, hasn't already leveled off and calmed back down. Definitely, there was pent-up demand uh, that benefited them. They did really well in Q3, the first quarter, uh, with ticketed fans uh, uh, back on, on the road. They did really well then. And uh, that business has def- definitely leveled off to some degree. Uh, and I think it will go back to roughly the level that it was at in late 2019 and the, the couple months before the pandemic in 2020. And then it will probably make sense if it hasn't already to cut, cut down on some house shows that have value in a number of ways Beyond just the revenue that they generate directly, both in terms of ticket sales and and merchandise, yes, they have value in terms of giving the wrestlers experience. Yes, they have value in terms of promoting the product in a, in a given town. Um, but I don't know that a, a business that is so much a video business, a media business, um, that's where… I think more than half of their revenue is coming from, and it's going to be increasing that that portion is going to increase over time just because their TV rights fees escalate over time. Um, and when they sign a new TV deal, it'll probably be an upgrade and that'll increase the portion even more uh, over whatever revenue that they are getting from ticket sales and from consumer products. So uh, yeah, I, I think I would expect that we will see uh, how shows cut back on a bit. I mean, I, ideally, you'd, you, you want to be in a situation where, um, if you could draw, you know, 8,000 people to a venue and it was the same venue every week, uh, if you could, you know, run TV out of the performance center somehow and save all that money again. Um, I don't think we're going to see that. I think if, if nothing else, the, even if it would be more cost effective to make a deal with, I don't know, Disney World or some some pipe dream like that, and run TV every week out of a out of a central location or something like that. Nikon would probably find a place in Las Vegas for WWE to run every week. Uh, but um, I was just
1: gonna bring that up. Like have a a daily show. It kind of takes replaces the Florida Loop for NXT and maybe some of the things. And you have like live WWE wrestling every day, and you know at the Bellagio, whatever.
0: But uh, if nothing else, the 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 ego of having to be a, a company, I and mean, maybe there's real economic business partnership perception there too. If like, why aren't you touring? They used to tour the the country and the world. And now they don't. I, I could see that being uh, an an issue that's that is of real value and of real economic meaning for for w and its business partners. Um, but no, I don't, I don't. I think W will will continue to tour. Uh, and there's a number of Subtle values in that, uh, including in doing house shows, which it seems they're going to continue to do. Um, I don't know that that doing house shows really makes sense for this company anymore, but it's something that they've always done and that they, um, I think, will always do as long as Vince McMahon is alive.
1: All right. If I don't want to touch on any more here in the W Rampage stuff or we want to move on? No, we got it. Okay. All right, so moving on here, um, you were discussing TV deals. Uh, Well, J-Sports in Japan has put out a notice that it will no longer be carrying Raw and SmackDown after the end of the year. The Japanese broadcaster has been airing Raw and SmackDown in both English and Japanese subtitled versions, along with highlight shows, all of which will end effective December 27th. The WWE pack on the J-Sports On Demand service will expire on January 31st, 2022. WWE and J Sports have had a relationship for over two decades, and have announced an extension on their deal in two thousand in December two thousand eighteen. The deal included live airings of Raw and SmackDown, along with one hour highlight shows on each program, as well as the ability
0: to order the monthly pay per views on the on demand service. Yes, this is from Post Wrestling, as 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 indicated by the Post Wrestling watermark uh, that people on video can see here. Um, I think this is from John. How big John is Holland. J
1: Sports reach I'm not familiar with, with Japanese TV. Like how, how,
0: how what would you compare it? I don't know. Is my, it a top network or my, my impression is that Japanese television is still very much um, most of it is still terrestrial TV or still what we would call broadcast TV. Um, that's why we've seen, you know, they haven't had sort of the, the, the cable television boom that, that has happened in the U S um, for whatever reason. Um some like some of this has to do with zoning or something like that um that's why we've seen you know in the history of japanese tv how in, in the history of J- japanese wrestling how uh being on tv asahi for new japan was the big deal because tv asahi is a major broadcaster fuji television in the case of uh all japan women ntv in the case of uh, all japan and noah um uh, these are programs that were on broadcast TV and there aren't this vast number of cable programs that have high reach in Japan is, always been my impression. Obviously there's, there's things like, uh, Samurai TV, this 24 hour pro wrestling, uh, network, but that has um, a very limited reach. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know that, uh, WWE has an, a new distributor, for television in Japan lined up here. Um, So I don't know. Uh, I I mean, new Japan has uh, ranked more highly than WB in Google web search. I think, you know, throughout the entire 2004 to present, maybe, maybe not in, in the, uh, the, uh, the really dark time for, for new Japan, but, but uh, new Japan is definitely the most popular wrestling brand in Japan. More so than WB, um, but WB doesn't uh, doesn't seem to have an, another TV distributor lined up. I did ask WB about this; they didn't get back to me either about whether or not they have an, another uh, distribution partner lined up for Japan. Um, so it's a uh, We've seen WWE go to to the Budokan. I think they went to the Budokan, and they went. Did they go to Sumo Hall as well in the last several years? Obviously, they've so. ma- they've made an effort to make major signings like Shinsuke Nakamura and Oscar, uh, who are from Japan. Uh, and uh, I just don't know what the what the international thoughts are uh, under NIKON now. I mean, those were moves at least in the case of, uh, of, of the signing of Nakamura and Kana that that happened way back in the George Barrios era around 2016 or so. Um, does WWE still plan to, uh, you know, there were rumors that NXT Japan, uh, might happen. Uh, maybe WWE would acquire one of the existing Japanese wrestling companies. That does not seem like something that's going to happen at this point. Um, Does W really still intend to execute global localization uh, as Triple H once stood on the stage before business partners and uh, had the, the NXT logos all over the world. Um, I I don't think that that's happening in the the same way or that it, that it makes sense for it to happen. Um, Yeah. NXT UK still exists. And I want, I, we, uh, I should ask somebody who knows something, uh, knows more about uh, UK labor law that it's conspicuous, isn't it? That all of these names have been cut from NXT and from WE main roster for that matter. But NXT UK has not been touched. I imagine there's some sort of legal limitation there. That's explaining that. Um, I would guess that, that WWE it- f- feels that um, why, why did we do this, this NXT UK thing? It's, it's, it's an expense for us uh yes it it served as a bulwark for world of sport and and we got to swallow up uh progress and i c w in the process so maybe yeah there was some benefit there but i I don't know what the val- continued value is in having that there well i i mean
1: yeah i mean the nxt uk thing has blown my mind that there has been any just even a couple like releases and all that and they did just open that performance center not too long ago. I mean, it's like a scaled down version of what they have in Orlando. But what do you think the deals? And I don't know if we have any contract really information. But are the deals maybe like exclusive contracts, but appearance deals? So it's not like you're really paying out a weekly salary. Like it's just if we book you, you get this, but we hold your exclusive. It's probably and, a very low downside.
0: Yeah, I, th- I mean, I don't know, but I would guess that it's it's very low downside. And then yeah, maybe if you're, if you're used, we pay you more. Um, and when I say low downside, I mean like, you know, a a, a very low living wage, you know, for, uh, you know, a, a lower middle-class living wage, probably something like that. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Moving on. Uh, I've been working and when we are working right now, as I, I was showing Golo before, um, before we went live here, that I am right at this moment, oh no, there's been an error. My script has failed because I have the Excel spreadsheet open. That's why it failed. Uh, but anyway, I've been using Python to scrape a number of data resources. Um, basically my, my long-term plan here uh, is to, which I've, I've been doing since uh, for about a year here, I got a Python ebook for Christmas last year and a couple of months after I got it I finally started to read it and practice with it and I've been uh doing some scripting of Python which is a uh programming language and now you know one of the things that I wanted to do when we first uh when I first started doing this is use it to scrape all of this data that is on the internet. All of this great data is on the internet from sources like Google Trends, most obviously. Uh, Cage Match is this awesome resource of match results. Uh, Showbuzz Daily has all of this TV ratings data. Uh, I report some of it. So, uh, there's a website called Social Blade that uh, has a lot of social media data. Just last week, I think we discussed how I was scraping the Wikipedia personnel lists to get an idea over time of what what WWE's roster count was. So, um, so I've spent the last year or so writing a lot of different scripts, probably very inefficiently. But so of late, what I've been doing is taking these scripts. I don't know. I don't know if this will make any sense to anybody, but make turning them into functions so that they are. They are easy to manipulate in terms of, say, I want to scrape a certain year of cage match results. All I got to do is change a number and then run it. Boom. It goes and grabs all of that data. Um, So I'm figuring out how to not only take these scripts, but to turn them into functions that can uh, just have certain parameters changed easily. And they can go and and scrape a, a variety of data pretty efficiently and easily. And then what I want to do is schedule all these scripts to run periodically so that they keep a running collection of all the data. So one of the challenges is that, yes, we have all of this great data out here. And I think this is something that was occurring to me for a long time is that, yes, you can look up, for example, what a given video has in terms of a view count on YouTube. You can uh, look at somebody's match count on cage match, but really harnessing this data in a way that becomes insightful and useful and to make useful comparisons and to collect this data over time, to uh, compare it in a sensible way, that's harder. But if we're able to write all these scripts and then schedule them on a recurring basis, we can keep a a sort of a track of of this data. And uh, eventually my idea is to generate CSV files, which are basically just primitive, um, basic Excel files, and then to load these, uh, these CSV files into Excel spreadsheets and then create the WrestleNomics charts and tables and things of that nature. Um, So uh, we can just look real quick here for those who are watching on video, we can look at what I'm going to do. My plan is to do with um, YouTube data. What I'm doing with YouTube is not going to social blade, but going to the YouTube page itself. Uh, and if I have, I have a tab here called all top for the last seven days where I'm, I'm going to the WWE YouTube page going to the AEW YouTube page. I'm going to those pages every hour, every single hour, on the hour. The Russellnomics supercomputer runs a script and it looks at the WWE YouTube page. It looks at the AEW YouTube page and it counts the number of views that not every video on their channel has, but the ones that are visible on like page one. And uh, what I want to do is you, you can talk about YouTube uh, videos, the views for YouTube videos, um, but it's hard to know how to talk about them in a really fair way. I can look at the the video page, and I can I can sort the WWE YouTube channel by the most popular video, but all of those videos have different ages, if you will. So what I what I want to do is say uh, somewhere around sixteen hours after publishing, what was the count? Um, and this is what we have for, this is, uh, I haven't refreshed it. I would refresh it, but it'll, it would take a second. Uh, but this is like, as of the other day, these are the top 20 most viewed YouTube videos, um, within the last, that were published within the last seven days for WWE and AEW. The most viewed video after 16 hours. So trying to be fair here. And not just say, you know, because, you know, these are published at all different times. Uh, but we're giving everybody the same amount of time to collect views. And number one, number one, acknowledge him is, is yes, is, is, is Roman Reigns, a clip from SmackDown last week. So this is, uh, this is about a day old, but from SmackDown last week, uh, an angle with. King Woods and Biggie and Roman Reigns and the, and the Bloodline that did over one million views sixteen hours after publishing. Uh, number two is a top ten uh, highlight video of SmackDown in its entirety, and then number three is uh, this CM Punk and MJF uh, angle where they did their their big promo on Dynamite. Um, so just. Things like that. That's, I mean, like ultimately long-term and for, the, for the sake of, of WrestleNomics is the idea is to generate reports like this. And maybe this is something that becomes part of a, of a another tier on Patreon for uh, for WrestleNomics readers and listeners.
1: I find it very interesting that the highlight recap videos are like some of the top videos on there. Because I think a lot of the audience probably just consumes that on YouTube other than watching Raw and SmackDown.
0: Right. Like, oh, I'll just see what happens. You know and and that's part of what what i what I want to look at here or could be looked at here is that you know as as people will remind me on Twitter when I report the rating sometimes well nobody watches TV anymore all right well let's let's see if we can take a look at, at um at YouTube views and look at how many views they're getting okay well that's just a data point out of context but let's look at this over time are there certain weeks and and I'll figure out how to analyze this hopefully in a meaningful way. But are there certain weeks where the views are really high or, or the views are lower? Uh, are there certain segments? It's sort of like a quarter hour stand-in, you know, and I think it's more fair than quarter hours. In fact, to look at these, these segments, quarter hours are, uh, are complicated by the fact that they include commercials, by the fact that they include other segments within your 15 minute period, by the fact that they include, well, I guess they, the YouTube view also YouTube video also includes other people, but it's one one segment per video. It's not two or three segments per fifteen minutes, and it doesn't include the commercial as part of that measurement. But um, yeah, if I, I just refreshed it, and uh, if we look at now only last seven days, um, now the CM Punk and MJF video, because we don't have you don't have any, any SmackDown measure here yet, because I don't think we're quite 16 hours away from Smackdown having happened as we record this right now. Uh so we're only looking at Dynamite and Raw for the most part here. And uh but I guess we could say that the the CM Punk and MJF video uh which after 16 hours did 823,000 views has outperformed every Raw clip um after 16 hours of those videos publishing time uh but I mean it, it's it's that one aew video and then 18 uh, W videos after that before we find the next uh aew video which in this case is uh aw dark so I don't know if I j- just analyze this in, in a perfect way but first we get the data and then this is just a sort of a sneak preview first we get the data and then I f- Work on trying to make sense of this data.
1: All right, uh, we're gonna move on, move on to Fast Nationals. Yes, and uh, yeah, we uh, we'll start here. Uh, Andrew Zarian uh, reported AEW Dynamite Fast Nationals, eight hundred nine thousand uh, with 18 uh, in eighteen forty nine, three hundred forty four thousand, and that's because obviously we didn't have the actual ratings, official ratings, come out because of the Thanksgiving holiday, um, and then. Brandon, you touched on on Twitter based on these fast nationals for Dynamite. I would expect final ratings releasing Monday total 855,000 down 15%, uh, 375,000 18 to 49, which would be a 0.29 18 to 49 rating, which would be down 22%. Yes, uh, and then for SmackDown and Rampage, uh, based on the fast nationals, uh, your estimate for the finals would be SmackDown 2.08 million with a 0.56 in 18 to 49. And then Rampage would be 425000 with a .19 in the 18-49. to 49. Uh, That would be the lowest total and second lowest demo for Rampage yet. SmackDown would be close to last week, which would be the lowest P2 plus in months. Yes. Which was the lowest. Demo.
0: Never pass up an opportunity to uh, report Fast Nationals uh, at a time like a holiday. Uh, but the Dynamite rating was way down. It was um, the night before. Thanksgiving and the night after Thanksgiving in the case of Rampage, um, Diamond ratings have been on the low side lately. Maybe some of that is due to uh, the uh, the NHL live broadcasts causing a uh, a broadcast out of prime time on the West Coast. Um, a lot of it probably too is coming off of the peak in interest that followed the debuts of CM Punk and Brian Danielson. Um, I have people asking me, uh, being more alarmed than I am about whether or not this is a problem for the content and whether, you know, uh, what, what do they need to do to respond to, uh, the, the ratings are down. I think, well, part of it is, uh, is the NHL effect and, and airing out of prime time in, uh, in, in, uh, in the mountain time range and, uh, even more so the Pacific time time zone. Um, but, uh. This was around a holiday, where you probably had some people traveling around and having other things to do other than watch wrestling on television, uh, live in the same day. We'll see what happens this coming week when things are back to normal, and uh, but I expect that, that Dynamite, at least not not Rampage, Rampage is not affected by by airing out of prime time, uh, but Dynamite will continue to, I don't know, hover in this nine hundred thousand viewer range. Uh, I would expect it to do better than this 800,000 viewer range, but we'll hover around this 900,000 viewer range for the rest of the year as it is uh, broadcast on the same night as the NHL every week for the rest of the year until dynamite moves to TBS. Um, There's that. Uh, The rampage rating will be the second lowest rating ever. Probably. Um, What did I say here? It'll be the lowest total. It'll be the second lowest ever. in PAs Unit 49 since August, since its debut in August. Um, the SmackDown rating is uh, very similar, it looks like, to what it did last week. Well, last week was the lowest, um, I believe, it was the lowest total audience. Yes, it was the lowest total audience since August. So, what's the meaning of that? I don't know. This was, again, in the case of SmackDown, this was the Friday after Thanksgiving. Uh, maybe pe- some people had better things to do, uh, than watch SmackDown on Fox, but we'll see, uh, what happens next week to see if these data points continue to show a trend of is, is, this, is SmackDown now going to, to flirt with this 2 million viewers, uh, milestone, or is it going to go back up to the 2.1 that it was at before and getting into the 0.60 range in the demo? Uh, we'll see.
1: See a lot of promotion from it from Fox. I watched the uh Yes, I saw the Bears Lions game on Fox for Thanksgiving.
0: And uh a lot of promotion for SmackDown. That's right. They're uh I mean, and that's one of the things that was that was hyped here is that they're going to have these these partnerships that will help WWE get uh more promotion during sports, and they've said the same thing for NBC Universal is that they're going to to promote WWE more during sports games. Um that's what we're seeing. Um, is it going to translate into viewership? I doubt it. Uh, I haven't really seen anything on the NBC Universal side of things. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, th- I think there was like a. Was there, who has the NASCAR rights? Is NBC have – I don't know. Anyway, maybe that's Fox too. But um, yeah. So. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, um, I, d- I don't see. I mean it helps maybe ratings would be even lower if not for for these reminders that W programming is is on these networks but uh you know in in lieu of short-term hot shots like um Cleopatra's egg uh I don't see wwe doing more to uh to to pop the ratings or to have a real sustained increase in ratings but let's talk about what happened to Wwe Raws ratings on Monday night
1: all right here. Yeah. And, uh, if, if we look at it here, uh, raw doing 1.7 million in the P two plus with a, uh, point 40, 0.49, 18 to 49. Um, if you look over previous 28 days, that's a, they they were averaging 1.62 with a 0.44. So that was a nice increase 5% on the P two 11% on 18 to 49, over <coughs> 28 days. NXT, uh did six hundred twenty five thousand with a point one four in the eighteen forty nine compare that to twenty-eight days you know very similar number six hundred seventeen in the p two plus with a point one five in eighteen forty nine they have a one percent increase in p two but negative three in the eighteen forty nine over twenty eight days. Yes.
0: So the raw rating was up eleven percent uh in eighteen forty nine so they popped a decent rating here. If we look at, um, do I have a chart here? I do have a chart here for those watching on YouTube. You can visually see how, uh, how high that, that 18 to 49 number was relative to recent weeks. It was the highest 18 to 49 since, since early in uh, the NFL season. Uh, earlier in 2021 though, they were doing better, but uh, this was the, the best 18 to 49 they, they had done in many weeks. So Got gotta give it up to uh, Cleopatra's Egg. Cleopatra's Egg was just part of the uh, the promotion for what, what is that Dwayne Johnson movie called? Uh, Red Notice, right? Red Notice, which is on Netflix. I understand. Um, lots of apparent teasing that uh, that Dwayne Johnson would appear in some capacity, maybe on Survivor Series, maybe on maybe on no, not on Raw. He didn't appear on Raw either. Uh, and it was interesting to see how. For one thing, how this was clearly an advertisement for the Netflix movie on Sunday. It was more so just a plot device on Monday. Uh, I don't know that Red Notice was mentioned on Monday. Crisco, I know you're, you're an avid viewer of Monday Night Raw. You watch every minute of it, right? Uh, I I, I, sometimes... I know the egg
1: was a giant storyline, but I don't yes. know if they actually named the movie but
0: the egg was a big storyline on Monday. So the product place. So this, this egg, I haven't, neither of us have seen the movie, but apparently this egg is something that's in the movie, right? So this was another great opportunity to create activations across our platforms. uh, Much like the zombies where everyone remembers the zombies fondly, only fondly, only fond memories of the zombies are allowed. Uh, that promoted. What, what what the hell did did the zombies promote? I forget now. Some Batista movie, right? On also on Netflix, the,
1: the Batista zombie movie. Yeah, something yeah. of the dead or yeah.
0: Return so armies of the dead, I think, of the the dead I think it was called. Yeah. Um. So clearly Netflix or somebody's happy enough with how the zombies went that they decided to do this too. And, and hey, look, there's the Batista connection to WWE. There's the Rock connection to WWE here. Uh, W probably. I, we, we hear murmurings that, oh, they got seven figures for this. Who knows what they got for? It. They probably got paid paid kindly for it, though. Um, and they got to integrate uh, this into their storyline. Now, if you watch Survivor Series, I did watch Survivor Series. Did you watch Survivor Series, Chris Colo? Just highlights of it. How dare you? Shame on you for not watching I Survivor Series. more of the current product. You, sh- you should consume more of that content. Work work harder next time on consuming that content. Uh, but this was not the only product placement. It's not the only integration of our partners' brands into our content. No, there was a certain pizza brand that was promoted heavily <laughs> in a battle royal. The, the, the Dwayne Johnson Memorial Battle Royal that did not fe- feature Dwayne Johnson – uh, commemorating 25 years of the rock's debut since the rock's debut at Survivor Series 1996, all, all which, which also played played into the rock hype. Rock did not appear personally uh, on the pay per view, but um, they promoted Pizza Hut and there was pizza all over this battle royal. Um, so Pizza Hut, the yum, which is part of the yum brand, right? Probably very happy with how this came off. Um, I think there's a cost to this that is subtle. Uh, but uh, at least for some people, I think it, it, it. I think there's a there's a there's an unintrusive way to do this, maybe, and then there's an intrusive way to do this, which is what I I, I at least maybe not so much the the egg thing, but definitely this Pizza Hut thing was just ridiculous. Um,
1: well, we go back to the water bottle thing and yes. SummerSlam, like it's it's our faint thing, like it's product placement They just maybe it's not being executed
0: the, in in the best manner. Well, they love their brands. Okay. And they're not ashamed to show it. Uh, but if you, when, when um, DWQ3 earnings call happened, one of the more memorable highlights uh, among all the exciting details and, and, and things that were said on that call was um, Stephanie highlighting how, you know, Can Patrick Mahomes, you know, the NFL is so great, but can Patrick Mahomes, you know, spray down everybody with a super soaker of Nestle pure life water? (laughs) They can't, but you can in WWE. And uh, that's one of the, they see as their great selling points is that, you know, yeah, the NFL and the NBA and all these other programs, they can advertise your product. But we can integrate your product into the content. What do fans think about By this? W- no, 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 What do fans? No, nope, nope. Not what it's not about what fans think. It's about what our business partners think. And that's the most important thing. Because that's where we get most of our money. By
1: the way, I don't know about you, but I was already thinking of what Stephanie would say in the Q4 conference call
0: about the red notice. Now you're now, <laughs> now you're thinking in the right way. That's that's how yeah, like- yeah, that's how WWE content is meant to be consumed. I think. Let's think about how 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 can this be presented to advertisers, business partners, executives, and and investors about how wow, look at our brand and 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 look. You got to think about you. you got to stop thinking about how the fans are going to react live in attendance. We're gonna wash over them with our with our audio editing and sound sweetening anyway. But you got to think about what is that uh, advertising and sponsorships line going to do under the media division? Um, That's that's where W really has the opportunity to grow. It's not about creating new fans. We haven't been able to figure that out for some 10 years. But where where we can grow is with our beloved business partners. That was TV ratings. Hey, the, the, the egg was, was successful for them in the short term. And, uh, will edge pop a rating. We'll see. Uh, how much of it is just Vince
1: being back on TV in a role like that. I think this might be the longest he's been on TV.
0: Yeah, Um, (laughs) that was a lot. That was a lot of TV for Vince. And I, I wonder if that was part of, part of the pitch too, is in that like Vince will promote this himself and that'll be a big deal. And whoa whoa, Netflix loved that or something. And Netflix is doing this, this Vince documentary. So they're, they're maybe a little bit more aware of Vince than usual. One can imagine such things. Ratings are delayed though. Um, because of Thanksgiving, they will be delayed again around Christmas time. Uh, you know, So we didn't have uh, Dynamite ratings on Thursday, so I didn't do a live TV ratings talk. Uh, thank God that we got Fast Nationals on Friday. I don't know what we would have done. We would have, we would have been hankering and, and not getting our ratings fixed. We would have been having to scratch our necks and whatnot. But Fast Nationals came out, so we do have an impression of what the, the Dynamite rating will be. Uh, but we'll be getting Dynamite ratings t- Monday, which is tomorrow for, as we record this. Monday afternoon, the Wednesday ratings will come out. Tuesday morning, the Thursday ratings will come out, including Impact. Uh, Friday, or I'm sorry, Tuesday afternoon, that's when the Friday finals will come out for Rampage and SmackDown. And then uh, Wednesday morning, we'll get caught up on the last of it. That's when the, the Raw rating will come out. So the Raw rating will not be out on Tuesday afternoon. It'll be out the following morning on Wednesday morning. And then we'll be caught up Rest assured, things will be back to normal uh, on Wednesday afternoon for the release of the NXT ratings. Um, by the way, I've go, I've put in the chat uh, if anybody wants to ask a question here. Yes, we that. will. Um, we might field some Q and A. Uh,
1: well, the the question that was asked is going to tie into our next topic. So. <clears throat> okay,
0: so should we discuss yeah. the next topic first?
1: Yeah, let, let let's let's do that. Uh, so the Young Bucks will not be leaving AEW for a future and This, of course, is from post wrestling, according to a report in the Wrestling Observer newsletter. Uh, the popular team has signed contract extensions with AEW. Later in the day, the site clarified that the two have signed contract extensions rather than new contracts. The original report had stated they signed through 2026, although it's since been corrected with the Observer site stating that the extensions are for two years each. The Young Bucks posted the following in their Twitter bio: uh, bio
0: "Till 2024, let's party for two more years." Yes, I think it raises questions about what what's the timing. Is there similar timing for other EVPS or others who were early signings for AEW? You know, what's and I I don't know the answer to the question. I don't know that anybody is going to publicly answer the question, but uh, what's the term of Cody's contract? What's the term of the Kenny Omega contract? Um, are how close even was this contract to expiring? I don't know. Uh, but we are at, you know, it was January 2019 when they signed. Uh, so 19, 20, 22, maybe they were three-year contracts. I don't know.
1: Um, and the, the question we have in the chat is... Uh, and this is from Ryoga 316. With the young bucks extending their contracts, does this also apply to those who have full time tier three, four contracts in AEW if they choose that option over renewing their contracts? What is this? Can, so, can, can you explain this to me? So, so I, I think what he's kind of asking is this something extensions instead of renewing contracts is something that would be maybe pursued for other talents in the tier three, four. So, probably not the top tier, but lower cards.
0: Does I'm assuming this, this also apply to those who have full-time contracts in AEW if they choose that option? I'm not sure what this, this question means. Uh, do you understand the question?
1: Oh, like I said, I, I think what he's – it's for his little word, but I think what he's asking is, is, like, is extensions instead of renewals something that they'll do for maybe the lower-tier contracts, full-time talent?
0: I don't know. Maybe.
1: Yeah. All right. And uh, we will. Uh, any anything else on this? Um, I just you know I'm not surprised on this. I I don't think anybody really is. No. So.
0: No. And then All I think right. uh, I think in the case of Young Bucks, Cody, at least those two. Maybe Kenny's different, but um, yeah. their value, they're most valuable to AEW, um, and their – you know the, the the notion of going to WWE or going to um to new Japan, I guess uh, they're not as valuable there unless WWE wants to overpay for them for this, for the sake of taking them away. There's value for W and taking stars away from AEW. Um, but the thing that, that W has going against itself, if it wants to do that is that these people know that they're not going to be creatively fulfilled there. <laughs> so there's that.
1: All right, we'll move on here. And if uh, you want, you want to get into the Russell Tix uh, tweet, or I can.
0: So GCW, that, so. Game Changer Wrestling is uh, running the Hammerstein Ballroom in the Manhattan Center on January twenty third next year, and they have sold out the building. Uh, apparently, yeah, two, over two thousand tickets are distributed, and uh, we've got some, some, some more yeah. notes from post wrestling. Yep, so
1: GCW sells out Hammerstein Ballroom. Uh, Game Changer Wrestling has sold out the Hammerstein Ballroom for its show on January 23rd, 2022, with the company announcing the achievement on Friday morning. The show is expected to have over 2,000 fans in attendance as the promotion scaled the building to break prior sellout marks in pro wrestling in the building. It's a huge accomplishment for the group, given no matches have been announced, and it's based on the buzz of the company and the idea that this will be a historic event for the promotion the fans want to be part of, which has traditionally been a major factor when it comes to drawing the next question will be uh the promotion and what if it what it can generate on pay-per-view through fight tv at this event would have to be in contention for gcw's most purchased of all time
0: yeah i will probably never hear of it though um it's you know fight fight tv's numbers are certainly not publicly reported and i mean if they if, if they were a publicly traded company it's not like they would be giving in individual sales of individual events uh but it could be could very well be their most uh their most sold pay-per-view yet. Um I guess the question that is interesting to think about here, what is the number three wrestling company in the US? WAW, who's number three?
1: Yeah, I think that question is uh I mean if you just look at current popularity, would it be game changer? I mean, ring of honor, obviously we know what's going on there impact i mean they're selling out the sam's town casino in las vegas but that's not a lot of fans it's like 700 i think or something Mm -hmm. um and mlw is doing okay but still not consistent touring nwa um i think they might still be doing i don't even know if they're still if they're doing fans on their studio tapings i could be wrong with that i'm not sure um but gcw constant buzz you've seen you know Macrodona, John moxley, and others like create kind of viralness on social media with doing stuff with them, so and the briscoes and
0: yeah i then there's a big difference between g c w and all those the other companies that you've just mentioned in that g c w is is an independent company. What do I mean by that you know in in this like this is a very non technical term at this point, I guess, but like they're an indie wrestling company um NWA is not an indie wrestling company. Impact certainly is not an indie wrestling company in the the same sense that I mean right now. Uh, MLW, NWA, Impact are not indie wrestling companies in the way that GCW is an indie wrestling company. Uh, You know, and because they're not, maybe in some ways it's harder for them to get this surge of grassroots fandom. Um, They're all those other companies that we just mentioned, whatever they are, uh, impact MLW NWA, maybe there's others that we could rope in here too. They're coming to this probably appropriately from sort of a media distribution approach, right? Like we've talked about a number of times here, the pro wrestling business is not that viable as, as just a live event business. It's more viable. If you can sell media of some form to somebody uh, and W and AEW are the biggest beneficiaries and examples of that. Uh majority of their revenue comes from media, comes from the broadcasts of their events. Uh but GCW, they're they're in the media business too, clearly. Uh they're selling pay-per-views through Fight TV. They were they were involved with IWTV. There's clearly some legal dispute happening there. Uh, but this is a company that that tours around the country and does these sort of smaller scale live events in a way that none of those other companies are. Um, certainly in terms of zeitgeist or buzz, uh, GCW has, has the strongest trajectory and momentum in that way. Um,
1: yes. I just, one thing I think they do too is they really, uh su- Identity of talents. And I mean by that is like, mm. they're a lot of their talent works other independents, but like they really put them in the forefront. Like when you think Effie, you think game changer wrestling. When you think Nick Gage, you think game changer wrestling. When you think Alley Catch, you think game changer wrestling. AJ Grace. And it, it's something that really no other independent companies do. Like, I don't identify like one wrestler, like, oh, yeah, that guy is solely this independent company, but you'll do that with these game changer talents. Even if they work other places, and and uh, I I think that's something that they do on a whole different level than any other independents. Very ECW esque, which people compare
0: them to, and like nineteen ninety five ECW. The the wrestlers who you just mentioned there. Um, we were talking a moment ago about i scraping all this data. One of the things that I want to look at in the cage match data is who are the wrestlers who are wrestling for the greatest variety of promotions in given periods of time, such as the year of 2021. And in the preliminary scrapes that I've done so far, you see at the top of the list of people, wrestlers who have wrestled for the greatest variety of promotions, at least reflected in the cage match data, are wrestlers like Effie and AJ Gray and Alley Cash and people like that. Um, so it's wrestlers who are not, I don't know that you could say similar for the wrestlers who are most associated with MLW. NWA impact and companies of that nature uh, for whatever that's worth. I don't know. And and maybe we come to this with a sort of indie wrestling myopia. Is that the right word? Myopic? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Oh, disclose yourself. Have you ever ever worked for GCW? Yes. <laughs> what did you do for GCW?
1: I was, did a referee bump spot in a uh, Joey Janela cluster uh it was uh Cluster Is that, that the full
0: name of the match? No, no it was the clusterfuck. <laughs>
1: uh 2019 spring break. Uh basically a bunch of refs were getting beat up by uh female talents. Um and uh and uh, I took some uh took some very uh stiff kicks that night and <laughs> You took stiff kicks? <laughs> so, no, they were they were they looked stiff, they weren't really stiff. They looked stiff. <laughs> from from who? Uh Solo Darling. Oh. Okay. She was she was light as a feather, but like uh, a buddy of mine was like in the show. He goes, "Are you okay?" Like, yes. <laughs> like they just they looked. Okay. You know,
0: what year is this? Twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Ah, uh, the good old days. Um. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's the only time you worked for Game Changer.
1: Only time I worked for Game Changer. Okay. Interesting. I've never worked for Game
0: Changer. Uh Yeah. Okay. Moving on. All right, moving on, and SEC. Uh, Look at this SEC seal. Yeah, you have that. <laughs> That's important. That is a very important detail. Right. For those watching on video, you can see the giant eagle, the U.S. Securities and Exchanges Commission seal started, which was founded in whatever number that is in Roman numerals there. So we have a disclosure from, uh-huh. the, from the Securities and Exchanges Commission. I'll, I'll I'll just say that you can read it in a moment. But we had okay. on Friday, Friday. You can sign up for email alerts uh, from from investor uh, relations website, and 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 a lot of things, a lot of those things come out on Friday, you know, afternoons, often late in the week, maybe to I don't know. Just this isn't huge news for the stock price, but you know, a lot of these things come out after the market close and so forth. Um, And I got this email alert on Friday afternoon. And usually, I'm like, "Oh, what? What is it? Is it a Form uh, Four? F- Form Four for the unacquainted are are you? Are because someone has uh, acquired or disposed of, which it means sold stock. Uh, so I can kind of see that, but, th- but then I, d- I didn't see a Form Four. I saw an 8K. You know what an 8K is? No, an 8. I'll tell you then, an 8K is a is another form an sec form but it it, you have to file an 8k whenever there's some sort of something to the effect of a significant action or significant report we can look look these things up there's wikipedia pages and whatnot for these but um so they had to file an 8k which which disclosed the following go ahead no i have them oh you want me to
1: oh sorry (laughs) They were coming out. All right, yeah. I Read 23rd, the blue slide. World Wrestling Entertainment uh, Inc., the company uh, entered in a separation agreement with Christina Salen, formerly the chief, company's chief financial officer, in connection with her previously announced departure from the company, the separation agreement. Um, under the terms of the separation agreement, Ms. Salen will receive a continuation of her base salary and health insurance coverage for a period of 12 months. She will be paid cash in the amount of $413,000. Uh, for certain fortified restricted stock units, it will be eligible for a payment respect respective or incentive bonus for 2021 to be determined by the compensation committee of the company's board of directors and currently estimated at 431200 in each case payable on or before March 31st, 2022. All the payments are subject to applicable employment or tax withholdings and deductions. The separation agreement contains other standardized provisions, including maintaining Ms. Salen's intellectual property, confidentiality, and non-solicitation obligations. The separation agreement is terminable by Ms. Salen until November 26, 2021.
0: Which was two days ago. Um, So one thing that's often disclosed in the proxy statement, I'm guessing it's related to this, is that. So the proxy statement is something that comes out every year. We just, I think we just, I'm sure we discussed it. Uh, it usually comes out in, in March, around March. I think it came out in, in like early April this year. But anyway, it, it tells you some information about the top five corporate officers. And it tells you information, including what would it cost to fire this person, essentially, it doesn't say it like that, of course, but that's essentially what they're telling you. Is this is what it would cost to fire this person for cause or not for cause. I don't know. So, uh, she probably had something in, in in her agreement already that you know that she couldn't just be. It's not like getting fired from McDonald's where they can just fire you and that's it. <laughs> but but you know, there's all these contingencies involved in it. Uh, anyway, she's basically getting 12 months of continued pay, which is, if if her offer letter is any indication, $730,000. Uh, in addition to that, she's forfeiting her stock units, which are, she's getting cash for in, in exchange, uh, to the tune of $431,000. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry, $413,000, the four hundred thirty one. dollars 200 is uh, her estimated incentive bonus, which the board of directors probably have not determined yet because the year is not over yet, but that's probably what she'll get or something very close to that. Uh, so a, a great deal for, for Christina Salin. I wish we could all be fired uh, as as CFO for, for a major company like this. Uh, so, yeah, just interesting to see, to see, you know, what, a company of this size, how, how it's most prominent executives, uh, are, are treated financially when, when they are, uh, terminated. So very interesting. Uh, if, if you're just catching up, if you're just joining us now, uh, the for- now former CFO, Christine Stanley is the chief financial officer. She was, uh, apparently terminated, uh, just after the earnings call, In November, earlier this month, uh, and now is being replaced by former interim, now permanent CFO Frank A. Riddick III.
1: Um, question. Obviously, no. I think the public knowledge knows about the no competes when it comes to wrestlers. You know, talent. Mm, mm. is, do you think and there's and this is a speculation. I'm sure we have no idea. Like if somehow she is she all elite. Is
0: she all elite? That's what you're getting at, no, isn't it?
1: No, not at all. If she became a chief financial officer of another company before, like like let's say in two months, would she not be owed the rest of that that money because mm-hmm. they're paid in over twelve months, right?
0: Like would they would that stop payment or I don't know. I mean, there's there's clearly a contract here that was I don't believe. Unless I totally missed it, was not disclosed as an, as an exhibit to this filing, so that that's possible. I mean, again, there's there was there is clearly an agreement, a longer document that is being referred to here that we're not seeing. That's possible. That's something that's included. I don't know though. Um, oh my. I, I doubt it though. I, I feel like that's something that they would disclose. Why? Because. Oh. As 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 you were reading this, I was looking up what the actual definition of an 8K is, and according to Wikipedia, and a Form 8K is a very broad form used to notify investors in the United States uh, in the United States public companies of specific events, specified events that may be important to shareholders or to the SEC. So. I feel like that – I mean, this isn't a lot of money here we're talking about here on the scale of WWE, a company that generates a billion dollars in revenue uh, in, in a year. But if if it were the case that if she got hired by another company, that WWE would no longer be obligated to pay her base salary and in health insurance, I feel like that's something I would want to know as an investor, and that would be yeah. only – it wouldn't be unfavorable or uh, in 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 reality in practice or 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 in optics for for we if if we were to know that too but eh. so maybe not i mean yeah i don't know somebody who knows more about severance might be able to just answer that to say yeah you, you, you forfeit your severance if you get hired by somebody else but i don't know uh, we had another
1: question earlier when we were talking about GCW from Ryoga. Uh, Is 2,000 the maximum capacity for the Hamerstein Ballroom? If so, then it has the same capacity as Cork and Hall for New Japan and DDT. I think they they scaled it a little back. I think, D- didn't I, I? Was it
0: not in this? Didn't I they? There s- was in a report here that they. Yeah, I thought I had heard, and I could be wrong. That that GCW had scaled this building, building. S- yeah. scaled higher than usual.
1: Oh wow! Okay. I could be wrong though. I mean, that could be right. I mean, I've never been in a Hammerstein. I've been in the Manhattan Center, but never the Hammerstein version. Which is a
0: different part of the venue. I've always been confused about what's the Hammerstein Ballroom, what's the the Manhattan Center, right? Like these, there is is the Manhattan Center. And then within that, there are at least two rooms that have held wrestling events. One is referred to as the Hammerstein Ballroom. Yeah, it's, I think. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah. I'm hoping I was, you would I know.
1: I believe, believe it was Manhattan Center, not Hammerstein. It was in when I saw uh, Misawa in New York City for Ring of Honor. So.
0: Okay. You were at Misawa
1: wrestle too? Uh, that night was, if I'm correctly, I think he, i trying to remember where he worked that night because he did a tag match in Philadelphia. I remember it was like a four way in Philadelphia with like him, Kenta, Mirafuji, and more. Misawa worked a four way? Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was it was that ring of honor um masawa weekend uh that he was here and I'm God I'm, I, I'm trying to remember who he worked. I want to say he worked maybe Kenta one-on-one. I'm trying to remember who he worked uh in singles. I remember because I remember Danielson worked Morishima that night, and that was really awesome. Hmm. Um but but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was the armory. It wasn't at these It was the armory in Philadelphia. Then the next thing was the Manhattan. Center. it might've been Hammerstein, but I'm pretty sure yeah. it was Manhattan.
0: But anyway, this venue, either the Manhattan center and or the Hammerstein ballroom is, um, maybe most was first known as a frequent home of, of Monday night raw in the early days of Monday night raw in the early nineties. Right. Um, but it's housed everything from ECW events to memorable ring of honor events like you're referring to. And the, the, the Joe Kobashi, uh, match, uh, was in this building. The ECW one night stands were in this building, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Corcoran hall it appears is not quite 2000, uh, capacity, but something more like 1,700, uh, it's. It seems that uh, the the two thousand attendance reports uh, that have been reported as a sellout for Corcoran Hall over the years has been somewhat exaggerated by by a couple hundred. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that's all. We have to do, do do a quick scan for uh, questions or interesting comments in the chat.
1: Um, and we had some interesting comments. You um, old- know. MJ said, uh, you know, we, we nailed While a third major promotion shouldn't start. Instead, fund the indie companies with operating capital and figure out how to monetize streaming, um, especially with all the free agents out there. Fans will support it presented as an option. Um, let's see here. He also kind of commented on the uh, sponsorship with uh, paid ads on like Biggie's Instagram eating Pizza Hut would be more effective integration, but they got to, you know, but then they got to pay Biggie. They need to figure that out um and he was talking about this this is actually very interesting uh this is all signs that the company is peaked on growth and is now looking under the cushions of sponsorship dollars why not sell branding on the ring for big money that is interesting that they have not gone in that angle yet um that we see in the nba and nascar most prominently where there's advertisements everywhere uh i mean wcw did it with slim jim halloween havoc yeah uh i'm actually kind of shocked
0: there isn't a lot of branding on the ring mats and skirts. You would, you would think if, if Vince really loves his business partners, he would do that. But maybe he just doesn't love his business partners enough. I don't know. I, I, I mean, They're not dynamic enough. I mean, I think I've it's something that, that Meltzer has said, and I tend to believe it's true, is that Vince doesn't want to do that for whatever reason. He thinks, I mean, that's where he draws the line. There, of all um, places. Uh we did just get a question,
1: Ramir. Why people always come back to watch WWE, no matter what will happen? I was hoping you'd read that.
0: One of the great mysteries of our lifetimes.
1: It's it it's it's brand identity, man. And you see that with the the fifty plus. It's just it's what you're used to. You just go back to it, no matter what. I um. take it as like being a Buffalo Bills fan, growing up as a Buffalo Bills fan. People they've disappointed
0: people for twenty years. People just kept coming back. It's just part of their life. I think there's clearly a world of people who do not live in our world of wrestling conversation and analysis, for whom it's not enough of a repellent. It's not enough. Whatever they're doing is not enough of a turn off. And maybe, and God knows, there's people who love it for exactly what it is. There are people who kind of are engaged heavily online who love it for exactly what it is, who will make a wrestler's likeness their profile picture and will quote tweet the latest ratings with a gif of Roman Reigns hoisting the WWE championship. You know, Uh, maybe it's important to remember too, that there, I mean, we're, like every other wrestling podcast, just two dudes in their mid thirties who have been alive for that amount of time and are old enough to remember nationally televised wrestling when it was quite a bit different than it is now. There are a lot of people who aren't old enough to remember that. And I want to say they don't, don't know any better. They just don't know when it was good, but they they've been educated that wrestling, or at least WWE, is something different, and that's their frame of reference. And that's, I mean, if 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 a part of what Vince has done is he's he's sort of re-educated the audience to expect things in a different way. And again, if you haven't seen wrestling that is different, if you haven't been old enough to have watched wrestling in a prior era, or if you have not. Been interested, or you've not sought out other kinds of wrestling from other companies or other regions of the world. Uh, This is the universe that you know. and, And in my view, it is creatively, I'm talking about the content, the world of where the characters live. It seems to be a world with limited consequence and confused morality. But that's not necessarily. A prohibitive, you know, it's not it's not a reason to not watch for a lot of people, for approximately t- two million of them, uh, and I think, the the you know sort of the, the the changes that have happened to to the wrestling product has turned a lot of wrestling fans to to the WWE product. have turned a lot of wrestling fans off over time, but there's enough people, uh, that are going to stick around for this, and maybe if more people will continue to 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 turn it off and there'll be more attrition over time uh the last five years at least of wrestling history of viewership trends tell us that yeah this this viewership will continue to decline probably in a way that is a little bit more negative than the than the trends of television overall uh but there's enough people who are not discerning a a problem, or at least not enough of a problem to turn it off. And I think if you talked to a lot of people who currently watch random people who currently watch W product and whatever media form, you'll probably get a lot of people who tell you that they're invested in certain characters. They're, they're big Roman Reigns fans or they're big, Big biggie fans or they're big Sasha Banks fans. And that's, who and what they're invested in. Um and that's enough for them. In any event. All right. All right. So yeah, plugs time. Uh live T V ratings YouTube. talk. Live T V yeah. ratings talk will be back this Friday at five thirty PM Eastern, just after the Dynamite ratings come out. The Dynamite ratings will be back at their normal release time by Nielsen on Thursday afternoon. And 5.30 p.m. Eastern, I'll go live right here on the WrestleNomics YouTube channel. Or if you're listening to this in pure audio podcast form, uh, I think it's a youtube.com slash WrestleNomics. I think that works. If not, it's YouTube.com slash C slash WrestleNomics. That'll, that'll take you to the, uh, the WrestleNomics YouTube channel, or you can just, I guess, search for WrestleNomics on YouTube in the search bar. One of the most popular search engines on the planet, by the way, after Google is YouTube. YouTube, Amazon. Anyway. Subscribe to WrestleNomics on Patreon for $5 a month. You get access to my TV ratings reports. Nearly every weekday, there's a new TV ratings report. You also get access to the massive data set that is the WrestleNomics viewership spreadsheet, plus plenty of other content that is a part of your subscription at patreon.com slash You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Thurston and at WrestleNomics. Anything to plug go?
1: Yeah, uh well, follow me on Twitter, Chris Gello, um RTI Pod on Twitter. Uh we just released the part four of the NWA two thousand seven-two thousand seventeen deep dive uh for rediscovering the indies. Uh so check it out if you haven't yet. We talk about uh the uh Houston Wrestling Library being involved with the purchase of the NWA from Billy Corgan. Also kind of getting to Billy Corgan's history in independent wrestling, running resistance pro wrestling in the Chicago area, which Resembled a super indie in its first couple of years, but wasn't didn't get the buzz that maybe it probably should have. So we kind of talk about that and just and we talk about affiliates and how the the day of affiliates and the independents are probably dead, and that might be a good thing.
0: You're talking about syndication Um, or like affiliate promotions,
1: affiliate promotions. Mm. The and what I mean by that, I don't mean like what Game Changer does and stuff. I mean like the NWA Northeast, NWA. Texacoma, stuff like that. There is the AIWF that's still around, but you know, we, we kind of break that down and in, in that significance and all that. So
0: are were there affiliations other than the NWA?
1: Yeah, the AIWF, the Alliance of Independent Wrestling Federations. I've never heard of that. Yep. And then like Dal Gagner, when he was running his thing, had AWA affiliates. Technically, the United Wrestling Network is an affiliate system as well
0: from Dave Marquez. So and then from there, uh, we will talk to you all next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your support on Patreon and 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 everywhere throughout the WrestleNomics media ecosystem. We'll talk to you next time. I'm Brandon Thurston. I'm Chris Gillum. See you later.